Hey, welcome to Real Indigenous. We're going to talk a little bit, hopefully very quickly, about Barbie and our reactions to the indigenous or lack thereof representation in the biggest hit of the summer, which we all really like. So let's get started. Okay, just for funsies, y'all, I check out Nikki's Barbies. (gasps) Oh. Oh. So here's one of, one of the Barbies. She actually played with this one. Here's the one that I didn't let her play with. It's Arctic Barbie oh. in a box. Looks just like you. <laughs> can, you can you describe that for listeners? She is wearing a parka with fur and looks like she's got some mucklucks on. It's part of the Dolls of the World collection. It's beautiful Barbie dolls representing five different countries. French, Puerto Rican, Russian, Arctic, and Guianan. The country Arctic. That's right. And the back says, hello, I'm Arctic Barbie. I live in Northern Canada in one of the coldest places in the world. In Canada and Alaska, my people are called Inuit. We also live in Greenland and extreme Northeastern part of Siberia. Wow. Actually, it's really good. Yeah, I'm quite surprised. I am wearing a fur-trimmed jacket called a parka. I'm also wearing long pants and soft fur-trimmed boots called mukluks. Arctic men, women, and children all wear the same basic outfit. Although a woman's parka has an extra large hood so she can carry her baby. This is very accurate. Uh, We used to live in snow houses called igloos when we were on a hunting trip. Actually, that's very true. Snow and ice make transportation difficult by car. Many of us travel by dog sled. We are a proud people with a long and rich history. There are many legends about Inuit in the past that we keep alive for our future. I hope you can come and hear one someday. Does she come with like a motor sled or anything right now? No, she just she has a brush. But wait, there's more. Does she come with like Here a is Northwest Coast Barbie? Describe that. <clears throat> it looks like she's clink it, maybe. Wow. Yaki Ihua Santini. It's good to see you. I'm Northwest Coast Barbie from Alaska, land of the last frontier. My people live in the Northwest Coast and Panhandle of Southeast Alaska. Talking about Sitka spruce, bald eagles. I'm clink it, sometimes called totem pole people. The totem carved from cedar and often decorated with animals' crests tell stories of our family history and important cultural events. It is raised at gatherings called potlatches, events marked with gift-giving, feasting, singing, and dancing, and most importantly, honoring our ancestors. You can see many totem poles at the Sitka National Historic Park. Today, our lives are a blend of modern and traditional. Our dinner may be salmon or seal meat or pizza. For fun, we play basketball or two-foot kick, a traditional Inuit game. Yeah. I'm wearing a beautiful ceremonial dress with a Chilkat robe, traditionally woven from cedar bark. That's awesome. Yeah. Beautiful Barbies represent three different countries, Spanish, Northwest Coast, and Swedish. So she's still in a box. I I wonder if these got like tribal approval. I mean, well, the ones I don't have in a box are the ones that are in bucks. She's in buckskin with some beadwork. And I don't know what, I guess she's ribbon work. 
She's wearing hot pink, two braids. She's got a little necklace on. She's got some big old earrings, big old auntie earrings. She's got a, a ring. But she's in braided hair. Where did you get them, Angela? You know, it's been so long since I've had them. I couldn't tell you. Probably Toys R Us. Do so the boxes could... say what year they were released? Yeah, well, Nikki played with these, so we don't have the boxes. Probably did not. Just research that. It'd probably be so, late 80s. Late 80s? Okay. Because like uh, 1981 was when they first did the like a native Barbie. And it was a E-word Barbie. Yeah. And so, right. They, and, <laughs> and so that one came out in 1981, the Dolls of the World International Series. That's, so that's probably the one you have, isn't it? Well, there's there's actually a, a parky that is without a Barbie. Hmm. So I don't know what happened to that Barbie. But no matter what, these are like middle-aged Barbies. I, what do you mean? Right, if they were born in the 80s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they had them throughout the years. Cause, and I, and I, I do like remember seeing them like at Walmart and stuff. People would get them for the kids whenever they come out. And they go crazy about it and try to find. I mean, that was like with any Indian doll when I was a oh, kid. Oh, yeah. Like, you, we like, you want to get all the Indian shit because there's so so little that you can so find. I found mine, but he's just Ken. Or is he <laughs> is he Ken Al? He's Ken enough. He's Ken enough. Ken enough. Yeah. Just Ken enough. So, what did everybody think about Barbie? I liked it, but, you know, there were, I mean, there were parts of it that, so I mean it was unrealistic obviously because it's Barbie world but it was it, it was a very good depiction of the reverse of what our world is the real world you know it's like opposite I don't know I went in there trying to be entertained I didn't go in there to look for any social aspect or social message for the the movie uh, I went in there to laugh because um, you know that's why I go to the movies to be entertained and not to go into some deep thought about society, but it made you think, you know, it made you, it really did make you think. Um, especially when she went into the real world, it was like, uh, you know, big eye opener for her, but it's interesting how we raise our girls to think a certain way and to act a certain way and to um, believe that, you know, the world is, is they can be whatever they want only to throw them out there and, that's not always the case for some girls. So it was very interesting to, to see that portrayed on screen. Hear from the guys. I really liked it too. Uh, the first time I watched it, I watched it twice. I'm probably going to watch it again. Um, but the first time I watched it, uh, I was so tired. I forgot to pay attention to how the audience was responding, which I, gives me some indication of what I think where I sit in relation to everybody else. Um, but it seemed to my memory that many people liked it. I didn't, I didn't experience a lot of things that I'm hearing, which is like, you know, guys responding to the movie, like with vocalization of like, shut up or like, or like being bored or like looking at their phone. I haven't seen too much of that. I've most of the screenings, or I guess the two screenings I went to, I were, everybody was into it and I was, into it and i thought it was funny i thought it could be funnier um i definitely felt like ken was 
the most enjoyable part of the film. Uh, and like Noetta says, I felt like my first viewing of it, I thought that there was kind of polar opposites, but I now think that there's also like a third version of reality. There's like the Barbie world. There's the real world when they get to like Venice Beach and when they're in interacting with America Ferreira and her daughter. But the third version of reality, I think, is like the Barbie world is an imaginary world where there's like the thought and wishes of someone be, it, transform the world. And it's, there's a lot of potential based on that particular act of imagination. I feel like that exists in the Mattel building. That's the third reality. Um, and it, it doesn't play by the rules of reality in the Venice Beach or the home of America Ferrera. You know, like there's a ghost of Miss Handler. Um, there's like men jumping, you know, horizontally across the screen. And there's, you know, these strange rules uh, and just it obnoxiously um, absurd way of living. Um, that seems to be run by a mat like a cis male's imagination run wild. Uh, I feel like that's what rules Mattel. I but uh, I I really enjoyed the ending. I feel like the ending is really amazing. I'm not going to ruin it. I guess for those who haven't seen it, but I feel like there's many things that are happening that are very similar to like Pinocchio, basically in the end, and I think. It's it's interesting that like most people walk away thinking, you know, la like laughing at a joke that happens at the end. But I think it's like an indication that that someone has become real. And but it's also it's not just about like maybe literally giving that character a gender. But it's also a scene where the character claims a name. She's got a last name at the end of the movie and she becomes an individual. And we're kind of left with a question like why why she's doing what she's doing at the end of the movie. And I think it's related to like agency and choice. And we're excluded. It doesn't matter what we think at the end of the movie. And I feel like all those things are like very progressive things to be communicating about a female protagonist, especially ones that are meant to be related to young women. And then also mothers, maybe. Yeah. And one of those things is also, I think, what's interesting about Barbie is that uh, she starts, she like grows up in a certain way, like all the ways that Pinocchio kind of grows up, maybe out of innocence into knowledge. But she also starts to learn about the idea of a mother. Like mothers sort of almost exists in the Barbie world. It's like mothers about to give birth, but they're they're not actually mothers. There's no it feels like I don't I don't even know if that exists in real life. Like that there's a mother Barbie. Well they or, talk about the the one that was pregnant. Right. They talk about the pregnant one, but she's not yet Maybe. she yeah. hasn't she hasn't conceived and there's no like there's no like mother and you know walking child Barbie. Which was the opening. I mean, that's that's the whole homage to Kubrick. Right. Where they make a point of saying that before Barbie, everything was in training to be a mother. Right. 
but, but, so you're saying yeah. it's like coming full circle back around it, to it? it, come, it fit, yeah, and I, I kind of don't know where I sit with that particular aspect of it. But I think there's some element of that that seems very personal for Greta Gerwig, who is now a new mother. Uh, and I think it also allows for the opportunity for a sequel to go somewhere maybe meaningful. Uh, so those things were really interesting. Well, she's always explored the concept of mother-daughter right. in her work, which I have always found fascinating just because of my, my mom, me, and my daughter and how complex our relationships are mm -hmm. and the way she looks at it very, you know, I mean, she's very much a, a non-native straight woman, right? Mm -hmm. Which is the way I was raised. So I totally relate to all of that. Mm -hmm. And so to see it discussed, explored on film, I've really always really appreciated it. I mean, Lady Bird is really one of my favorite movies. Yeah, so, that's an amazing movie. Like such yeah. an amazing debut. It's sort of, I guess it's, it, yeah. we act like it's a debut. It's her first like feature as a single director. Mm -hmm. But yeah. if I could talk a little bit about the style, mm -hmm. because it is definitely an homage to all of my favorite styles of movie making with Kubrick, oh, with the big MGM musicals, mm -hmm. with all of the plastic, everything practical effects, you know, there everything scaled to a perfect whatever 23% smaller you know the the attention to detail the fact that there's no water there's no fire i mean it was literally like watching my barbie play area from when i was a kid and to see them work with all the candy colors and then when they move into la what i did appreciate with that is they didn't move straight into like poverty porn with LA. I mean, LA was rough and the color tones changed to be a lot more neutral, not as flashy, not as exciting, but it wasn't like bums on the street, prostitutes on the corner. You know, it wasn't like looking at pretty woman with that depiction of LA. So it was still kind of a little in the fantasy world. Yeah. And they really stood out because of their clothes. And so, and then the fact that they just got, they went back the same way was, I thought, hilarious. Yeah. And the fact that they poke fun of it, like, don't think about it. Just, yeah, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> the big musical numbers loved, loved, loved the big musical numbers. All, all of that painting in the background. Ugh, loved it. Loved it. Okay. Yeah. I, I was really impressed with his, like, um, achievement in the dance sequences mm -hmm. he had the like disney look, kid. yeah he's, he's he a disney out, kid yeah he started out dancing mm -hmm. singing. yeah yeah mickey mouse club yeah he is now the 15th member of the mickey mouse club to hit, hit uh have a hit on the billboard 100 oh is i'm just ken on yeah. the board 100 yeah, ah. yeah. <laughs> that's we were incredible playing at the restaurant we were at the other day and i, I was like is that that Ken, <laughs> <laughs> which that soundtrack is it's a lot of fun i yeah. i downloaded it and i mean because um we downloaded it for the lizzo song but the lizzo song wasn't exactly like it was in the film 
-hmm. like they just do the whole part where she's getting up in the morning and everything's perfect they don't do the part where everything everything falls apart you know starts to fall apart (laughs) which which i love i know and that's the best it was like one of my our favorite parts me and lillian we went and saw it and uh it's not in the on the soundtrack so silly so lillian was very disappointed about that part Agreed. but yeah no it's a fun soundtrack you know it's 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 a good uplifting even even the sad parts are like kind of uplifting and i don't think there's one sad, really sad song on that soundtrack except for maybe billy eilish so yeah so yeah i mean i think we could deconstruct all of the the sly gender commentary ad nauseum but just the good old-fashioned filmmaking I loved. I didn't realize when they were traveling from Barbie land to the real world that that was practical. I just found out the other day that that blew my mind. Could have could have fooled me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my feeling was like like Angel says, like a majority of it was practical, and that's what made it beautiful and feel real. Even when they're going back to Barbie Land, we see like the the uh, the canvas all like fold down as they're walking past them. Yeah, as their their skates, including like her jump, like that's in the trailer. But like when she's running out of the building and jumping into America Ferrera's, yeah, vehicle, <laughs> there's like that extreme vertical. <laughs> Just like I would, I would have held my do- held my doll. Ooh. right yeah totally <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah totally well she even does that when she lays down on the ground very stiff arms out legs out and just mm-hmm. falling over so yeah she did and can i just say a quick shout out to everybody that wore pink to the show i wore pink it was so fun did you wear pink yep i took a picture in the barbie box oh see <laughs> We went to Midwest City and they just had a, this little sad Barbie car cut out. Yeah, and that's what it really was, but it's supposed to be the Barbie <laughs> box. You know, like the front is supposed to look like the Barbie box, but it was just a cut out. Yeah. It was cute. It was cute for the effort. So there was an effort made. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Bars, did you wear pink? Um, I may have accidentally worn all black. I didn't I didn't mean to. But that's Ken, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did it have fringe on it? Because then you're Ken. I'm I'm so jealous of everyone that had wonderful screening experiences. Mine was not that great. Um, not because I didn't enjoy the movie. I think I did, but the audience I, and I saw it opening night. Um, but the audience I was with, I don't know. They just were not laughing at anything. Um, it could have been. I I want to blame it. Well, I don't, I don't know. It was a small town where I saw it. Um, so I don't know if they were expecting something else. Um, but parts that were funny, like I was wanting to laugh at it and like just crickets. Um, and that affected my enjoyment of the movie. So I need to go see it again soon. Um, yeah, you need yeah. to go with the girls that were sitting behind us because they were like scream laughing and it was Oh, terrible. see, that's that's what I was so expecting. Funny. I was expecting that opening night and I just didn't get that. Um so Some yeah. Of those lines, even I was scream laughing. I was like, "Oh, oh man." <laughs> <laughs> Got to go again. 
Get the girls together, Matt. Get the girls together. Get your pink on. I will. (laughs) So, um, people are online are talking about aspects of Barbie, right? Do we want to address this? What Tully think? So I'll probably spoil it just because I don't know what you're saying. If people haven't seen it by now, right? Like <laughs> they're probably not <laughs> seeing it. Visually, it's like an amazing, beautiful movie. The so much thought that went into the design and the the clothing. What do you call that? The whatever that's called, that clothing people costumes, costume or wardrobe. Yeah. <laughs> they were all good, and I, like I would be surprised if they don't win an Academy Award for that because it was just really great. When we were kids, my cousin had Barbies and we'd play with her with the Barbie. So like I knew about all the Barbie stuff, like what they were referencing. And so I was aware of Barbie. So I watched it and I laughed. I mean, I really liked the comedy. I thought it was very funny. And but when I walked out, I kind of felt like and I took I went with my kid to go see it and she loved it. She thought it was great. But I kind of felt like there was something missing in it, like it needed another draft of the script because everything to me felt like it was all surface, like all the themes and all that they, you know, like all the messaging they wanted to get across. But as I thought about it, it's a kid's movie. So this is good messaging that we probably had to say straightforward to kids because there is like the issues of male thinking versus female thinking, feminism versus, versus masculinity. And so I thought that that would be a good, it's a good message for, for kids. And so I would say all kids should go see the movie because I think it's something that should be learned. And then, but the one thing that I've thought about and is that like, when we were talking about native Barbie, I was like, where was native Barbie? Because there was no native Barbie. And I remember there was native Barbies. And when I said that, and somebody said like, uh, what'd you want to do? Wear like all feathers and stuff. I said, no, you could just have a Native actress be in there and pr- represent Native Barbie in, in a way and probably just wear like their cool earrings or like a, a necklace or, the, you know, those kind of things like most Native people wear when they're dressing up. And then I saw on Instagram, somebody had posted their picture as Native Barbies and they were like wearing all pink, but it was like the regalia and they looked so cool. And I was like, oh, she, shit, that should have been the Native Barbie of the show. And so... That kind of set, that's kind of my feeling was like, it was very, uh, it's white liberal language was being very outspoken. And it kind of like, that's what affected me because like I have issues with white liberalism. And so that kind of happened. As I think about it, I, I still think it's a great movie and it's a great, what, great concept because, you know, when they do go, oh, that was the other thing in the real world, I was expecting quote unquote real world and not feel like a cartoon world and so that kind of threw me off too and everybody's given like praise to Ken and I thought he was okay I thought he was good but I didn't like love him because I I saw him just I saw his acting as just being acting not as like where I was like actually feeling anything but whereas Barbie the actress who played Barbie I thought she did a way better version than Ken but no one's no one's really given her like the, the props for it because they're all talking about Ken. But Barbie, the character, the person who played Barbie, I was more impressed with her acting than the Ken guy because you see all her emotions that she's going through and you feel it. And even when she's playing Barbie, you're you're not seeing, her name's Margot Robbie. You're not seeing Margot Robbie, but you're seeing Barbie. Whereas with Ken, I saw the actor, not Ken. And that's 
at least for me. And so I think I'm like in a minority of people who have like some critiques of it. And then, I, like I said, I felt like the mom and daughter storyline was kind of gets lost in it. And we don't really have like a really like strong arc with them because she just, the kid just instantly, you know, starts being good to her mom and being nice to her mom. <laughs> Starts so, loving Barbie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those who those who have had daughters know that <laughs> it's not that easy. <laughs> and, so, and so then um like talking about like uh what Sunrise said at the end, we even have a Deus Ex Machina, right? At the end <laughs> where Ruth comes in and fixes everything. <laughs> I'm trying to think because there were moments that I did cry where I had like sense of like oh wow that was really nice Aww. one of them's at the end where uh where ruth's talking to barbie and having their pinocchio moment and where she says we mothers stand still so our daughters can look back to see how far they have come and that's like and that like encompasses what parenting is if you're you know if you're trying to be a good parent or a good auntie you know and and it's not just mothers it's fathers too and so i felt like that part was like, oh, for that alone, I think. And then we see all the like the visuals of, as she's becoming a woman, a full-fledged woman. We saw all the visuals of all the girls through through time and all the experiences they have. For that, I thought that was good. And also the scene with, when she sits at the bus stop with that and that lady sitting there, and she says, "You look, you look beautiful," or whatever she says. And the and the lady says, "I know." Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really sweet, sweet moment. I, th I think I kind of teared up there. Mm -hmm. I hear people like complaining about the last line about where she's coming to see her gynecologist. I thought that was a good line because like you said, she's become this full-fledged woman. She's now a real person. But I also thought it was like a slight jab to like the conservative people who want to shut down these, these Planned Parenthood places. And because Planned Parenthood isn't just about abortion, it's about gynecology. It's about our rights as our the women's rights of being able to have a say about their body and themselves. And so I thought I thought it was a good ending. And so overall, yeah, I liked it, but I felt those things that people talked about. And I think Sunrise was about to start talking about that because I'll talk about that of what uh Francis Danger and all of them have been saying about about Barbie. Oh, can I just say, am I the only one that thought Harry Potter at the, with the with the uh, Ruth scene? Ruth Handler like the last the one void. yeah when they go into that void i was like oh look it's harry potter when he talks to gandalf huh i didn't think about that no, i was I thinking of captain marvel nobody laughed at my gandalf joke i didn't even catch it <laughs> oh, dang. sorry <laughs> i was trying to think if i what i was thinking at that moment i wasn't thinking anything i just remember gandalf turned to a butterfly we're going to get emails. Oh, we're going to get emails. I feel like you guys may, this is so weird for me because I didn't play with Barbies. Um, we were too poor for Barbies. So, you know, I didn't have a Barbie growing up. It wasn't a thing for me, but it was a thing for Lillian. So, you know, my, my, a lot of my perspective is through her eyes and how much she loved Barbie and she, how much she loved watching, um, you know, shows, animated shows, Barbie shows and stuff. And she wanted a dollhouse so bad, you know, and, and my, my mom got her one finally. And that was at the age where she started cutting all the hair off and coloring the faces and making them weird Barbies, you know? So, so, you know, my whole perspective of, of Barbie before the movie was, you know, for me personally, I wasn't all that interested and I'm probably 
one of very few women who, who felt that way because like I said, I didn't have a Barbie growing up. That was the thing too. I think it was like, I only had one cousin who had the Barbies because they were expensive and we'd mix and match because you could go to the dollar store and get like that cheap Barbie. Mm-hmm. So you'd mix and match them. And she had all the stuff. She had like that big ass house, the, that fucking car and like uh, all that crazy shit that you have. I, I have a question about this Barbie house um, before we talk about some other stuff. Um Angela's talking about how realistic it is and how much it's it's replicating the house. No, I didn't have Barbie, but I had cousins who had Barbie and Barbies. And I seem to remember that there was an elevator in yes. the middle of the house. Yes. The dream house in the dream house. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of weird that there was no elevator. So if you watch the video where the architectural digest video where they go on that tour. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, they talk about how they made a conscious decision not to put anything but the slide mm-hmm. in place for her to go up and down mm-hmm. just because they wanted that the fun of the slide because you know Ken comes down it right but also wanted the sensation of when when she's picked up and then right. you know, placed down like because I mean how fun is a an elevator not that fun they did say that they replicated Cher's closet from Clueless in a way because whenever Barbie would open her closet doors her outfit would magically go on her and then to, the next day's outfit would show up yeah. kind of the way Cher's did yeah. her computer which I wish somebody would invent that computer program yeah and the other thing too is being a Barbie's dream house my kid used to watch that show the cartoon did your did your niece watch that Noetta uh-huh. Yeah, we always watch Barbie all the time. Yeah, it was like Barbie's Dream House. And that one, that's the one I like compared it to the movie. I was like, I really like Barbie's Dream House because it did kind of go over those kind of things of those weirdness of Barbie. But and also being kind of like, you know, talking about crazy stuff like they would go into Barbie's closet and it's like, how big is this closet? And she's like, yeah, oh, we'll be here for a couple of days. And Ken's out there waiting for his day and his flowers are dying and all this shit. It's pretty funny. <laughs> if, yeah. anybody wants to, if, if anybody likes this movie, I'd say watch the cartoon of Barbie's dream house. Cause they were fucking hilarious to me. So anyway, sunrise, please continue. Well, I think there's just, you know, social media going around about uh, specifically elements of the background and specifically related to Mount Rushmore. Right. This seems to be a, a point of discussion that seems to be happening, uh, especially in relation to the fact that we notice that there's an absence of any indigenous actors. Um, I'm out. Or, Just so we know. And so that was one of the things I was thinking about is that um, Ariana Greenblatt, who played the daughter, is Puerto Rican. And oh. so how we talked about, you know, the Taino people are from that area most likely Puerto Rican are probably, you know, of the Taino line. And then America Pereira is from Honduras. She ha- claims that she's of the Lenca ancestry. And she actually actually wore a Lenca headgear at the Oscars. I think it was like in 2020. Yeah, that's so, cool. So there was that indigenous representation that happened. And so yeah, that- you can't, you know, like just say they didn't show our shit. She was the main character, you know? <laughs> well, well, I mean, really what I was saying is, there's no representation within the Barbie world. Now right. I, I'm going to, I'm glad you're bringing this up because like 
um, part of my perspective about all this is that the Barbie world is very, I think it's very specifically designed so that we notice the naivety of that world as well as it's like utopian attributes. And I think part of it includes, or maybe it's just me wanting this, but I feel like the way that I interpret the use of Mount Rushmore is related to issues that are not addressed in the Barbie world and issues that might be thought about in the quote unquote real world. But I, there is definitely, it seems like a response that Mount Rushmore is, um, is used in a manner that seems to be, I don't know, uh, under conceived. For me, the way I viewed that from that article is like, I didn't catch all that stuff when I watched the movie, like, because there's also the smallpox. Right, the smallpox, right. And and some, and people say that was a joke. And I, I can't remember what exactly what Francis Danger said, but it was like, we're a joke in the Barbie movie, but we're not a character in the Barbie world. So does that really mean that we're just a joke to them and nothing else or something like that. She says it better, but <laughs> I don't have to quote in front of me. And then I heard another criticism was saying like, even in the Barbie world, the people who were uh, of culture that was Barbies, if you interchange them with just white people, they would be the same people. And they, so they weren't really like representing diversity in a, in a stronger way, whether that's agreeable or not, I don't know. But that was something interesting to think about of, of how, diversity played out in this in this movie but again like i said you had america ferrera and, and the daughter you know indigenous representation or well and, and given the context of the smallpox conversation i don't think it was used as a joke more like an observation about how quickly they were wiped out how quickly patriarchy wiped out barbie land was similar to the way that disease that was brought over by colonists colonizers wiped out the indigenous population in North America. That was my takeaway because I was I was listening for that. And when it was said, I was like, oh, they weren't making fun of it. They were they were drawing mm -hmm. a comparison to people not being not having the uh, ability to withstand that kind of disease, yeah. whether it be patriarchy or smallpox. Well I was going to say just in the large scheme of things, we could probably someone could make the argument that smallpox is somehow related to the goals of patriarchy absolutely oh yeah i mean like there is a difference but i'm i'm just saying that they are there's a relationship still you know mm -hmm. and i think that's probably something that they were thinking about otherwise it probably wouldn't be there it, it is unfortunate it's almost like it, that's as far as it goes if we're talking about like the presence of the indigenous peoples uh the mother-daughter characters who are you know uh, a form of resilience and do um like the daughter in the end she makes this really incredible remark about barbie being a white savior barbie and then also tells her father figure to not culturally appropriate right so like at least the child is one that's aware of cultural misappropriation whether it's in her own family or whether it's in friends and that's the future right that's the hope even if her mother overlooks it or if the Barbies overlook it, at least the future, um, I guess, is positive in its recognition of these things. I do think that th somehow they've thought about Mount Rushmore because it's in the film three times. We see it in the first sequence where Barbie's driving and we see the historic positions of Barbie etched into the mountain. And then when Ken is out in the world and discovering the conventions of 
uh, mediated masculinity. We see all the presidents on the dollar bills, and then we see Mount Rushmore again, the actual Mount Rushmore in our reality. And then, of course, when um, the Ken world is taken over, the mountain then becomes uh, a mountainscape of horses. The fact that they have to address it three times means that they somehow had to confront it. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm giving them a lot of credence that they are thinking about indigenous ideas because it's, um, you know, it's the conventional American perspective of the mountain with these faces of reverence and not the other side or not the presentation of any individuals that believe it to be a sacred space and it's not considered to be a sacred space and those perspectives are not present. So like that is missing. I read the Mount Rushmore's as just another like dig at patriarchy because in that montage of videos, you know, we're seeing male masculinity. It was my, my takeaway was it was a gender dig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. What I it, thought too. Yeah, it totally is. But, but what's interesting about it is that like the, I guess just related to maybe gender, it does seem to suggest something about how like these hens, once they do have some sort of control, there's almost like no thought put into what history, right? Like they don't, there's no Kens that are put up there, which is interesting. It's all horses. Mm -hmm. But some of that is the fact that they're just now coming into like a point of a new history. Like they've got no past, so they've got no achievement. And so if there's no achievements, there's nothing to put up there. But also maybe, you know, it's related to the fact that they're not really, there's nothing behind their thought process besides like, I don't know, vengeance or I don't know what that by itself just made me think about how maybe the agenda of patriarchy does not have any weight behind it and then just thinking about the flip side that like individuals with agency are just now sculpting a history and i don't know those are maybe ill-formed thoughts from the movie because they're just sort of it's just such a like a it's like not even a second of each of these images it seems like but my my hope was that uh, it seemed like the film, to me, was suggesting that uh, if Barbie will become a mother and has a child and she's got a model of America Ferreira's character and a child, and those are both very aware that Barbie's child will also be more aware mm-hmm. and that if there's like a future film, the issues aren't just about like gender. The issues will be about other forms of identity, perhaps race, perhaps culture. Yeah, I think that would be awesome if that was the the next next phase of the of the story of, of Barbie's journey is her becoming a mother because that's what the basic theme of this story was now it's Barbie's becoming a mother having to deal with all those things of what motherhood is because my memory is so the origin of Barbie was that Ruth Handler was like in Germany somewhere and there was this German doll who was like a, it was more of a sexualized doll, right? Because it's based on like a comic strip and a lot of the men had them on their dashboards. And so she bought a couple, brought one to her daughter. And when she, and that's when she realized like, you know, there's no, like at the beginning of the movie where they said all the kids want are being raised to be mothers, but they're not raised to be, you know, seeing themselves as, as the dolls. And that's when she decided to make the dolls, right? I think that's probably the way that many people tell the story is that she brings them back that doll to the child. But now I'm not, I was not around at the the doll's conception, but it seems to me that there are dolls that exist that are not 
mother dolls or baby dolls it seems like there were um i think that's sort of a maybe a mattel myth that they were okay all right well when it's printed you print the myth or whatever it's like right exactly yeah (laughs) i'm I'm trying to think back about black barbie because you know legeria davis's film which is a documentary about the first black barbie actually goes back and traces Mm -hmm. the birth of the concept of barbie through ruth handler I'm trying to remember. I think she just wanted a doll that was more than just a mom. Yeah, and according to the movie, and I, you know, I'm maybe that's the Mattel myth too, is that the doll was created as like saying that our these kids can be this person, these kids can be this nurse, the doctor, whatever, Barbie yeah, thing, right? Can no. be. And the other thing too, I was listening to Legeria's interview at uh, at the film fest, and she was talking about how Mattel at least in their defense, they kind of do try to be with it, like with the times of everything and trying to make, they, the goal was to be, to make Barbies be something that women can achieve. But then again, you know, there's that study that happened where they said, actually it made women feel worse, girls feel worse about themselves. Right, the point of comparison. Yeah, yeah. And they had to change body, the body type and the body mm-hmm. shape over time. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. why we had, to, and but they were quick to change that stuff. It wasn't like they were, fighting against it they were like okay then let's do more stuff where we represent so we have you know a, a, a normal size barbie and then we have the barbie in a wheelchair and then we have these people of culture as barbies and then we have our barbies with a camera in their back <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I, but I, I i do think it's interesting at the end that barbie is not just barbie anymore i think she's a very specific barbie normal is- barbie well no i don't know if she's normal barbie but she's got a last name at the end which is barbie handler and now she also has identified like essentially a mother and a a mother of jewish descent and i and i feel like she's jewish barbie by the end of the film well Mm -hmm. and i wondered you know because she's in birkenstocks and has no interest in ken right oh yeah yeah because Mm -hmm. yeah that was yeah, yeah, part of me was like, and she's listening to the Indigo Girls. Yeah, the Indigo yeah. Girls. Right. <laughs> yeah, because I did hear that in Queer Theory because in the choice was high heels are the Birkenstock. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but all, lesbian, I, all she needed to drive was a Subaru. Yeah, but lesbians can still have 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 children. Yes, they absolutely can. Oh, totally. Yeah. But by contract, she can't. They have to all drive General Motor cars. That's right. <laughs> So, so what we actually saw was a, a good two-hour commercial. <laughs> Mattel yeah, products. Yes. General Motors and uh, Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, right. Warner we're Brothers at that office in the back window. Right, yeah. The, <laughs> the two buildings. The only two buildings you could see that had advertisements on it. I felt that was sort of like the suggestion that like the Mattel boardroom is probably very similar to the Warner Brothers boardroom and that they just want to put Greta Gerwig in a box. What about Alan? What do everybody think about Alan? I liked Alan. <laughs> more, more Alan. I loved Alan. As a matter of fact, see, so to me, Barbie was one, Alan was second, and then Ken was third for me. I mean, I know what, what they were going for. I understand what they were going for, but Ryan Gosling is such a good actor. I think he could have been less annoying and still have been vapid. And the other thing, you have Will Ferrell in the movie. And so you're reminded, actually, Will Ferrell plays those characters. He would have been a great Ken. Well, here's the thing. Uh, we know 
that America Ferrera and her daughter are playing with Barbie. That's why Barbie's moving around. But we never see who's moving Ken around. And and there's the when they're driving away in the car and he pops up and surprises Barbie. Uh, his sleeve says toy maker. Yeah. It says, yeah, it says Mattel toy maker. And it made me wonder if Will Ferrell is playing with Ken's. Regardless of all that, I, I agree. I feel like Will Ferrell would have been a Ken if it were like 1997. And that was the other thing too. The movie felt like it should have been made in the 80s because they kind of had that real big 80s vibe to those type of movies of those fish out of water movies. Like Mannequin. Yeah, it made me think of fantasy movies from the 80s that got really so, mm-hmm. something totally would have come out. Come out of there. Oh, I used to love Mannequin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oscar winning music. Just like I bet this wins the Oscar for music. Oh, I'm sure it will. <laughs> oh, that was the other thing. What do you guys think about? So Ken is the only person who sings, right? In the in the movie. Well, the Kens, yeah. Yeah, the Kens. Why did you think they chose to not let the Barbies sing? Or Barbie. Well, she does sing in the car. She sings, she sings with the Indigo Girls. But she doesn't have an original song. Not like Ken. I'm just Ken. I'm going to say... I mean, Kens sing like three or four songs, right? The Kens. No, they, they only have... I'm just Ken. But she was and trying at, to... At the, at the end, there's a the dance mo- mo- moment that they sing. Did yeah, they? that's that's oh they made that crappy song yeah yeah the Rob the, thomas and then the that, yeah that's yeah oh, playing guitar yeah. at you <laughs> oh my gosh that was so funny anyway what were you gonna say sorry well my theory is well number one they she wanted to replicate grease lightning from grease mm-hmm. i saw that number two mm-hmm. the rules in musicals are you seeing when you when your emotions are too much for spoken word and the Barbies were having no problem articulating their feelings. Mm-hmm. Whereas That's the were really struggling with communication proficiency. And so they're, it kind of forced them into the rules of a musical in expressing through song what they couldn't say. But that is something that we see both of these dolls learn. That's part of becoming human is like recognizing what's going on inside that it's not just surface level and that there's emotions and thoughts and they're conflicting. That seems to be what she's learning when she's in the real world, right? She's talking about tears and pain and um, Mm -hmm. she's learning what emotions are besides positive emotions. And it seems like he's always experienced them somehow, but now is able to express them now that he's feels he has some determination in that world. I I get what Angela's saying. I buy that. Yeah, I could buy that. But again, I wish I saw, as much as I like Lizzo singing, I, I, would, I would have hoped that they had like an opening number where they all sing. Well, I mean, we get a song. And we do get, I guess we have the... The, uh, the bespoke song with the, the right or choreographed uh, dance number at the girls' night. Yeah, I mean, and I guess technically that's like the mermaid Barbie singing, right? Because like Dua Lipa mm-hmm. is the mermaid and she's actually singing that song. And I thought it was hilarious that john cena's singing that song to her <laughs> and she's just like sitting silently watching and listening yes john cena was so <laughs> right? great but we all know that she's probably a better singer than john cena uh, yeah. <laughs> she's not a better wrestler than john cena <laughs> that's true but she's not trying to wrestle in that scene <laughs> so is that it i don't know Have we talked about the native issues 
I don't know if we really did. We didn't really come to a conclusion. We just kind of. I don't think there's really a conclusion. I think it's like a point of view and a perspective and an opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even with me, I felt like something was missing in it. And that's what I figured was what was missing. I was like, where was Native Barbie? Because I know there's Native Barbies because I remember my cousins had Native Barbies and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and so mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I was even I was kind of left out, you know, but at the end of the day, the, the messaging was good and like the, the themes were good. And even though I felt like it was kind of like on the nose most of the time. I thought that's what it needed to be because at the end of the day, it's still a kid's movie to me, even though there, I was mostly around middle-aged people when I went to go see the movie. They have kids watch that movie to understand because like they're just throwing everything at you. Like even when they walk in the real world, you see all the men stuff on the signs, like men walking, then like, you know, like don't cross now kind of thing. It's a man that's telling you to cross now. It's when the school that they go to is a frontiersman school, you know, and all that stuff. And it's, and I think it was silly that he goes to the book, the library and finds a book called patriarchy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at, at like what seems to be an elementary school or middle yeah, school. At yeah. elementary school, but that's kind of the thing is that there's a male dominance in the world. I mean, that's why that's what they're talking about. And if you go to school, it may not be a patriarchy book, but there's male dominant books in your schools. Your main characters in TV and movies, even children's stuff, is men, you know? Yes, we do know. <laughs> <laughs> what was y'all's thoughts of how the, the world was resolved, Barbie world? The Barbie world, you know, the best line was, you know, when they asked to be on the Supreme Court and was it President Barbie that was like, yeah, you're going to get as many rights here as women have in the real world. And they'll give them a circuit, circuit, <laughs> circuit court. <laughs> there, there was no syn yeah. synthesis, you know. In, in movies, there's a, there's a synthesis. I didn't feel like there was much of a synthesis of of the combination of uh, even giving Ken a neighborhood, you know, because we never find out where he lived, and she didn't know where he lived. Well, I think because she leaves the Barbie world, that's his house now. That could be. That's a good idea, but we didn't see it happen, you know. Well, welcome to film 101. <laughs> where, where women characters don't get any resolution they don't get any answers they they just exist and then they don't well that'd be a yeah that'd be a good way to think about it because like thinking about me and the sunrise were talking about the new indiana jones movie and i was like i didn't think the woman was written well and then we were talking about it and i was like Actually, in all the Indiana Jones movies, the women aren't really well. Oh, uh, no, they're not. Well <laughs> and so maybe maybe that's the thing, if you view it that way. It seems like Ken gets a lot of things resolved at the end, though. I feel like I feel like he's got a place to live. I feel like he's got an identity he's starting to understand. He's got a name change, just like she's got a name change. Um, he's made relationships with people beyond Barbie, these other Kens. Yeah, so they had the individual level change right of uh, mm -hmm. synthesis between barbie and ken where they're not they can just it's a breakup movie right it's they're just it a breakup movie it is a breakup movie mm -hmm. and ken gave his little uh fur coat to his his buddy ken ken yeah <laughs> yeah so maybe that's what i can live with of that synthesis so it sounds like you really need some resolution there <laughs> buddy boy, yeah, buddy, buddy boy. 
Did I say that at the beginning? I was like, I don't want to be sound like I'm mansplaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, this wasn't exactly a short stuff, but mm. we hope you enjoyed listening to our rambling about Barbie. I'm just glad we didn't get into Barbenheimer. Uh, no, ain't nobody. I'm so episode. glad for that. That's the next episode, right? We're gonna go to Oppenheimer. I got problem with that movie too. Speaking of women not being uh, represented, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Nobody's represented well in that thing. Not surprisingly, like, and the two women are are looked at as uh, problems, right? They're both considered like viewed as problems in that movie. Yeah, they're problems, and then they're also objects, and they're also like, yeah, they're they're and, and one also, note also. It's like, yeah, they're like, and then there's like a possible mental health problem of both of them, and so in other words, they're saying that women are crazy, right? <laughs> well, I, maybe, but I also think that he's got mental problems too. Yeah, okay, but he had layers, right? And sh- these women kind of did didn't. he. Oh my gosh, is this turning into Barbenheimer? It's, it's turning into Barbenheimer. Let's end this now. No. Let's end it now. <laughs> Otherwise, this discussion will be as long as that movie. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, we need to talk about Oppenheimer next because to talk about the indigenous the lack, lack, of, yeah. lack of indigenous. Lack. And, and it's also very similar. It's like in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He tries to throw it in there. He tries to, yeah. He tries yeah. to. Yeah. I think what well, he wrote one line. Let's yes, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Asteroid City is more successful than Oppenheimer is. Oof. Ooh, well, there's a <laughs> that's a good conversation to have. Not Barbenheimer, but Asteroidheimer. Asteroidheimer. Whoa, Barbenstroid. Yeah. Barbenstroid. Barbenstroid. No, Oppenstroid. 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 City. All right, so everybody. Remember to check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to rate and review, subscribe. And someday we're going to get our Patreon up and running. So be sure to watch for that. In the meantime, don't just keep it real. Keep it it real. 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 Real.